You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have tuned in. What would Henry Ford do or say if he could travel in time back from the beginning of the 20th century to Detroit at the beginning of the 21st century here in 2021? That's the question that University of Michigan filmmaker Andy Kirshner explores in his new film, Ten Questions for Henry Ford. The film follows the automotive giant's ghost around southeast Michigan, visiting his crumbling old factories, Greenfield Village, and even the Detroit People Mover. And it delves into some of the most troubling and racist aspects of Ford's life and beliefs. Ten Questions for Henry Ford debuts today online as part of the Ojai Virtual Film Fest, and it runs through Sunday, November 14th. You can find more information about the film and how to view it at henryfordquestions.com. And joining me now is the director and writer of the film, Andy Kirshner. Andy, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Really, really happy to be here. So I want to start with a clip from the film. Let's listen. People think we was in the business of making cars, but the truth is, we made men. We'd take the raw materials, say from Poland or Italy, Lithuania, and then we'd melt them all down into one big pot. We'd teach them how to dress, how to clean their houses, teach them English, and when we was all done, they'd come out the other end. 100% American. Perfectly interchangeable parts. But there were some types you just couldn't melt down. No matter what, you couldn't fix them. You can quote me. The fact is, most men are lazy. If they can get out of a day's work, they will. And welfare is a cancer. And people eat too much sugar. So that clip really illustrates Ford's feelings about immigrants and what it meant to be an American. Andy, I wonder what you hope people will take away from your film in terms of understanding Ford's attitudes about these and other topics. Yeah, well, um, that's a that's a good clip to choose because um, it gets it gets to some of the heart of the film. I mean, part of what I'm interested in is these kind of larger themes in American history, and um, you know, the sort of idea of the melting pot, and also um, uh, who is really an American, who is not an American. These are sort of themes that um, you know kind of persist through American history, and they're still kind of very much in the news these days. Um, And so Ford had this kind of idea about Americanization, right? That you take in this sort of raw material of of immigrants from all over the world, and through this process of of education, you were turning them into real Americans, which for Ford basically meant kind of Anglo-Saxon Americans, uh, you know, and he had 
um, he had not only English classes, but he had um, a whole sociological department that would go into people's homes and make sure that they were living the way that Henry Ford thought they should live. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, the, this, the $5 day, for example, which was the, you know, the doubling of wages um, that sort of shook the industrial world in 1914 when, when Ford announced it. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that in order to get that wage, the, you know, the double wage, you had to um, basically submit to inspection in your home from Ford's investigators. And they had to make sure that you didn't have uh, borders in your house, that your house was clean, um, you know, and that you were basically um, living in a way that was um, sort of acceptable to, to Henry Ford's sense of propriety. Um, so I guess... Um, you know, big picture, it, it's it's Henry Ford, you know, his, his ghost, so he can be in the present, but it's also about looking at parallels between past and present, particularly the sort of interwar years between World War I and World War II, um, and where we are now. And I see kind of a lot of, um, a lot of themes um, being sort of parallel, a lot of issues being parallel in terms of like uh, anti-immigrant exclusionism, mm-hmm. this kind of rise of demagogues. Um, domestic terrorism, you know, the, the KKK in the 20s and 30s, very, very active um, in, in Michigan, and especially in Michigan, um, Indiana, Ohio, were big Klan centers. Mm-hmm. You had um, the Klan very involved in Detroit politics. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I see, I see parallels. Yeah, yeah. So give me a sense of what you think Henry Ford would think about Detroit and Southeast Michigan if he were here today. The, the, the film does a wonderful job, I think, of trying to place him in this, this current context. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Ford's attitude towards cities, um, you know, I, I don't think he would, um, you know, just to speculate, <laughs> he would probably be, like, he didn't, he didn't like cities. You know, he grew up on a farm. He was born in 1863, a few weeks after the civil, uh, after the Battle of Gettysburg. And he saw this kind of transformation of, you know, Dearborn and Detroit. I mean, Detroit was already kind of an industrial center, but, but in a small way, it was a manufacturing center in, in Ford's time. But he saw this kind of transformation over his lifetime from, um, which he was largely responsible for, um, of you know, it's kind of urbanization with um, the city expanding massively. Um, you know, the, the sort of farmland that he grew up on in, in Dearborn um, becoming this sort of industrial hub, and then also people from all over the world um, coming to Detroit. So I think he already, you know, he was already upset by the transformations that were happening in Detroit, like back in. 1914. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think coming today and like seeing, you know, the um, the Highland Park plant, you know, where we we shot one of the scenes, the, the sort of home of the Model T, mm-hmm. seeing kind of it in its current state of decay, um, he would be, you know, he'd obviously be very upset that his his creation had, had fallen into disrepair. But mm-hmm. but I, I think his attitudes would probably be pretty pretty unchanged. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I also wonder if you can talk just a little about, so you're, if you're making art like this, some of what you're doing is obviously speculating about mm-hmm. uh, someone who lived in a very different time than, than we do, but, but you're not mm-hmm. just grasping it at, at anything. I mean, you're basing it uh, 
on things that he did and said uh, then. Talk to me about where you feel like the limits might have been here. Mm-hmm. Like, what were you hesitant to to speculate about? What were you? What conclusions yeah. did you maybe not want to draw about? Well, the, I'm, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the reason it's called Ten Questions for Henry Ford is because these. You know, most of them are kind of questions that I still have about him. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, Ford was a notorious anti-Semite. He was probably the most influential American Semite, anti-Semite through his publications, uh, the Dearborn Independent, and these this articles that he published for for two years, kind of blaming Jews for everything from World War One to short skirts to uh, the corrupting influence of jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, all this kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, you know, the film is very closely based on the historical record. Um, you know, so I, I went to, I spent a lot of time in the Benson Ford archives, kind of looking at oral histories, looking at Ford's notebooks, looking mm-hmm. at, at interviews uh, that he had done with newspapers. And what's left are still some of these questions that I have. Like, for example, why did Henry Ford hate Jews? You know, it's so, it's so puzzling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, I mean, certainly anti-Semitism was something that was not unique to Ford in that era and, you know, still still not unique to Ford. But why did he have such a passion about it? You know, why did he, like, kind of make it part of his life's mission to, um, you know, to publish these these articles mm-hmm. that were so destructive? Um, and also other questions I have are about, you know, kind of his, uh, his relationship with his son, Edsel, uh, which was... Um, you know, it, in in early days in Edsel's childhood, very loving, very close relationship. Edsel idolized his father, and they kind of became increasingly estranged mm-hmm. uh, as Edsel became an adult and asserted more of his independence. So, and and Henry would kind of, you know, Edsel. Most people don't know, but Edsel was president of the Ford Motor Company mm-hmm. for longer than anybody, mm-hmm. and actually did a lot of great things. Um, you know, created the design department, commissioned the. The um, Detroit Industry Murals by Diego Rivera, he's a great philanthropist, um, and and Henry would constantly undermine all of Edsel's efforts. You know that like were destructive not only to Edsel but destructive to the to the company. Mm. And um, so another question is why did you undermine Edsel? You know what what was it that motivated that? Right. So those are sort of the questions that I, I I can't answer. Like I can't I have I have ideas, but there's <laughs> n- there's nothing like. There's nothing conclusive about it. So what I try to do in the movie is is really pose the questions, sort of based on the evidence that there is, based on the historical record, and then and then it's you know I let I try as much as possible. I try to let Henry sort of say in his own world, speak words, for himself. Sure. Yeah, answer answer the questions in the way I think he would have answered. So if you asked him, for example, why do you hate Jews? He would have said, No, of course I don't hate them. I you know I have great friends who are Jews. Um, that would have been his answer, but it's a totally unsatisfying answer. <laughs> sure. You know. So. Sure. so so I also wonder what you think Henry Ford would make of uh, the fact that his hometown really of Dearborn uh, the place that that he is more responsible, perhaps than anyone else, for shaping. Just last week, elected its first Arab American and Muslim mayor. Uh, again, it's I think it's very yeah. difficult sometimes to imagine people living in a time where something like that was impossible, mm-hmm. uh, experiencing it as we do today. But it seems like right. that would that would really. I would think shock 
Henry Ford and not in a good way. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, to not to put too fine a point on it, but he was, uh, you know, he was essentially a white supremacist. And I mean that in the sense of, you know, he believed that the white race, as he, you know, as he would have described it as Anglo-Saxon, was superior to all other races in terms of civilization. That said, you know, he had, um, you know, he was he was largely responsible for why there is in such a large Arab American population in the United States. I mean, he brought you know a lot of Syrian immigrants, mm-hmm. a lot of Egyptian immigrants, um, you know, people from Yemen and that that part of the world, you know, came to um, came to Detroit, came to Dearborn, worked in the factories, established communities. So, in a certain sense, like having having a mayor, um, you know, who's Arab American was um, you know kind of a. It's an inevitability, right? Indirect and inevitability. And, you know, Ford depended on immigrants for his his labor force, especially in the early years at Highland Park. And then then became, um, you know, uh, more of an African-American labor force in the the 30s. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he, he, I don't know what he would have thought. You know, I mean, on Mm -hmm. one hand, he, he wanted... He wanted everyone to come to America and become, you know, Americanized, as right. he would say it. Right. On the other hand, and so I think he probably would have been uncomfortable at with, you know, expressions of cultures that were not um, kind of within his his American wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, Andy Kirshner, filmmaker and chair of the Department of Performing Arts Technology at the University of Michigan School of music. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about 10 questions for Henry Ford. Thanks so much for the interview. I appreciate it. Sure. Bye-bye. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Join WDET and public radio stations around the country who are celebrating Public Radio Music Day today, November 10th. Public Radio is, of course, dedicated to connecting you with music that enriches your life. And WDET does as good a job as that as any station all over the country. You can learn more about how stations like WDET support emerging artists and keep you connected to new music at publicradiomusicday.org. This is 1019 WDET-FM, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.